0: This is the Daily Tip on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM.
1: Good morning and welcome back. If you had a few days off, it's time to get things going here on the Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. I'm Chelsea Messenger. She's Kate Constable, filling in for Jenks today, who is uh, not celebrating. His Longhorns today, unfortunately, but he did have Washington plus four and a half, so at least he won himself some money. We've got a jam-packed show on the docket today, starting with a recap of what we saw last night in college football. This table is set for the college football national championship between Michigan and Washington. We will tell you what our takeaways from both of those semifinal games and our initial look at uh, who we think wins it all in college football. Coming up later, it's more than just college football. We'll take our first look at Week 18 in the NFL at 620, followed by NFL Futures, the latest Super Bowl odds over at BetMGM, coming your way at 640. Kate, good morning. This time of day always comes very early, uh, (laughs) but for me, I feel like it's even harder because I've had a few weeks to sleep in, and boy, did it feel good. Uh, But at least we have plenty to talk about on this Tuesday, January the 2nd, 2024. Yeah,
2: I mean, I can imagine, Chelsea, after a couple days of getting out of your routine, of waking up this early to do the show, that this morning probably was pretty tough, especially if you stayed up late to watch the Sugar Bowl. I, I did not. I could not make it. I was laying on the couch. It was like halftime, and my eyes were just closing. And it was a really good game, so I was so, like, bum to have to go to bed but I made the adult decision to you know get some decent try and get some decent sleep um before I woke up for the show this morning and then I just got to finish um I watched the the fourth quarter that just just wrapped up literally as the show was starting so now I figure uh, I feel like we are I'm, I'm caught up on what happened ready to go.
1: It did feel like a pac 12 game you know the timing yeah. of it to where it's right. like, okay, well, I got to go to bed. Can't watch the end of this Pac-12 game. But it was a wild finish uh, in New Orleans between Washington and Texas. Uh, but, yes, I did go to bed early, but I didn't go to sleep early. Like, that was yeah. the issue. Like, I made the adult decision as well, but my body was just like, eh, what are we doing? Like, we've been staying up late, Chelsea. It's not time to go to bed. It's the hardest part. I, I would-
2: I was actually kind of the same way. I um, couldn't fall asleep for like a half hour. I finally turned over my bedside table. I've had a cold the last couple of days. So I had the bottle of NyQuil sitting there. And I was like, you know what? We're just taking a swig of this. I just, you know, threw back a little uh, uh, NyQuil. And then I was 20 minutes later, I was uh, passed out. But I mean, two great games. I I think these are probably two of the better college football playoff games we've seen um, in the same year since maybe the playoff was started. Um, You think back to last year's, you know, Michigan, that TCU game, that wasn't all that great, Um, but overtime game in the Rose Bowl, you have the Sugar Bowl, Texas, a a big comeback, um, or at least uh, trying to come back late in that Mm -hmm. second half. I mean, it took the final play of the game to really decide that game, so I'm not sure there's much more you could ask for in two great playoff games i'm just i'm thinking about jenks i hope he's okay i know he's probably very no, bummed watching okay. his longhorns go down um i just feel for the guy i mean jenks is always so peppy and and excited and i'm sure his spirits are a little down so jenks it's gonna be okay if, if you're out there listening which you are not.
1: (laughs) All right. I'm pumping the brakes on the sympathy for Michael Jenkins because at least his team went to the college football playoff semifinals. And I think that was the goal. You know, at the start of the season, it was kind of a joke that when people said Texas was back, you kind of said it sarcastically. But now I feel like Texas is officially back because they made it to the college football playoff. And I'm excited for this to expand and we'll have even more uh, teams joining the party next season. But so far this year, doesn't it feel like they got it right? Yeah, it does. And I mean, especially,
2: I know after watching the Georgia Florida State game, like Florida State didn't have its, its talent on the field in that game. You can't really go to that game and look and say, okay, uh, Florida State should have been in the College Football Playoff, or, or shouldn't have, based on that game, because none of their ta- none of their you know top talent played in that one. But it does feel like had Florida State without its starting quarterback and being on its you know backup the way they looked against Louisville, that it was the right move to put Alabama in and have them play Michigan. Uh, they were the, the stronger of the two teams, and I, I, I do think the committee got it right in terms of putting the top the best four teams, not necessarily the most deserving, but the best four because I don't think we would have had that same um, caliber of excitement in that game had it been Michigan versus Florida State re- rather than what we saw with Alabama.
1: Although I will say, and this is kind of my final big-picture takeaway before we get into the specifics of some of these games, here on The Daily Tip presented by Ben MGM. I feel like when I was watching the first semifinal between Michigan and and Alabama, both those teams either looked nervous or rusty or something because this was not the game that I wanted to watch the full game of. Like, granted, it went to overtime, so by the book, it was, quote, a good game, but still, neither of these offenses looked very good. So I think going into this national championship, it is wild to me that the team with the longest odds going into this, which was Washington, uh, actually looks like the best team going into the national championship. Like, did you have the feeling after that Michigan and Alabama game of, wow, these teams don't look that great.
2: It was uncharacteristic of both of those teams. I should say, especially Mm -hmm. Michigan, because what Michigan's been so good at this season and how they've been able to get so many wins is taking care of the football and not making silly mistakes. I, I mean, for the most part, they don't turn the ball over. Two turnovers in their last 10 games leading up to yesterday. First drive of the game, and J.J. McCarthy almost throws a turnover. He was very lucky that the Alabama player's foot was out of bounds prior to catching that ball but that just showed to me that you know there were some nerves going into that game for Michigan because those types of mistakes are uncharacteristic. Michigan had a ton of special teams errors in that game, which was also extremely uncharacteristic. I mean, it, all in all Michigan kind of should have lost that game. They were just like shooting themselves in the foot. It was the um, offensive and defensive line play. I mean, Michigan won that game in the trenches, and that's that's the reason they're moving on. But I mean, Alabama was able to capitalize on a lot of those Michigan mistakes and when you have a team that's that's turning the ball over and making those mistakes, it's usually and especially a Nick Saban coach team is usually the team that's going to come out on top and, and be able to capitalize on all those mistakes. And I guess in the end, Michigan was just able to make a few more plays, but it did seem like a very just kind of sloppy game between two teams that you're not really used to seeing play sloppy football.
1: Especially from those two head coaches, because wasn't that the narrative going into this college football playoff was, okay, this is the meeting of the two best college football coaches that are probably currently active, Nick Saban and Jim Harbaugh. So we thought to ourselves, okay, both these teams are going to be so prepared. They're going to be so ready for this moment. And then we saw muffed punts. We saw (laughs) terrible... Uh, Miscatches by wide receivers because some of it they were pinning on the quarterback. And I said that catch went right through his hands. So yes. going into the national championship, Washington, for sure, looks like the best offense. And again, I wish I could have stayed up to watch that entire game instead of the travesty of offenses that we saw from Alabama and Michigan. Let's get into what we saw in both of these games as uh, the first game, as I mentioned. Michigan outlasts Alabama 27-20 to in overtime. Michigan covers as short two-point favorites. The over 46 hits, despite those offenses kind of doing their best not to hit the over. But, again, the story of this game was the costly turnovers. And, actually, Michigan overcame a lot of these because a lot of these were on Michigan starting from the very first minute of this game and all the way to the point where you're saying, okay, this guy's still fielding punts. What are we doing here? Uh, But Alabama could not capitalize quite enough, and so it's Michigan that advances. So, Kate, I think my question now is, do you think Michigan – can correct these mistakes that they didn't prove costly in this game but still one would think you cannot make these mistakes against an offensively minded team like Washington that will certainly put some points on the board do we think Michigan can get its horses in order on special teams
2: I think it can because I- All season long at special teams has been just fine. Like the one game Mm. where they have a a bunch of mistakes. I mean, it wasn't just one or two. It was a lot. And it certainly almost cost them the game. But for the majority of the season, like special teams has been pretty good for Michigan. And so I think it's, I mean, we love to overreact to things I mean you look at the NFL how many overreactions there are week to week based on who wins and loses and what teams look like and it's it's part of you know sports talk radio I love to overreact and and make big assumptions but I'm not going to overreact too much to what we saw from Michigan in terms of some of their mistakes they Jim Harbaugh has a very buttoned up team that usually doesn't do those types of things. So I think that was uncharacteristic of Michigan, but if that happens again against Washington, a team that's going to score every single time they get a, a, you know, they're able to turn you over or something like that, if you give them extra possessions from what we saw, not only yesterday from Michael Penix Jr., but really the entire season, that offense is one of the best in, if not the best in the country in, you know, putting up points, yardage, things like that, that Washington's going to be able to capitalize and score on those mistakes, and that could prove costly to Michigan in this uh, national championship game.
1: Right, and we can't talk about offenses without talking probably about the most significant player on Michigan throughout the entire season and in this game. Blake Corum, star running back for Michigan, had some big plays in this one, including this one.
0: Michigan tight ends in the ballgame they handed to Corum again and makes the cut
1: first down spinston
0: scores break Corrant puts Michigan on top in overtime that's Williams in motion low step no stopped Michigan makes a stand and comes up with a milestone playoff victory
1: And that is how it unfolded. And the Wolverines are headed to the national championship game. I think the name of the game in college football is trying to take away or, you know, lean on your best players. And that's exactly what Michigan did. They leaned on Blake Corum in this one, had a rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown uh, as Michigan advances. And Jalen Milroe, probably the best player for Alabama, at least on the offensive side of the ball, stopped on the final chance for Alabama. Speaking of good players, feels like nobody can stop Michael Penix Jr and his passing attack for Washington. He had over 400 yards of passing as we saw. Uh, Washington defeat Texas 37 to 31. Huskies cover is short three and a half point dogs. The over 61 and a half uh, transpires. Kate, were you surprised by this one? I felt like a lot of gambling people in our space really liked the points with Washington, but weren't sure if they were going to win outright. It felt like this one kind of uh, unfolded according to plan.
2: Yeah, it did. I was on uh, Washington in this one. I did uh, prefer to take the points. I sprinkled just a little bit on the money line, but my, you know, my biggest bet in that game uh, was on Washington with the points just because I, I did feel like it was going to be uh, a close game because Texas overall, the more complete team of the two, Washington, the better offense in that game. And that's kind of, I mean, how they've won games all season is just putting points on the board. And you really can't say enough about Michael Penix Jr. I mean, having, what, 400-some 430 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Like, I mean, the guy was fantastic, and that's what he's done all season long. And I feel like uh, Washington has kind of been overlooked heading into the playoffs just because they are a Pac 12 team, and maybe people don't stay up quite as late to watch them during the regular season. They're not in the SEC, blah, 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 blah. Um, but I've been high on this Washington team all year. And if you have a quarterback like Michael Penix Jr. with that receiving core, I mean, they have three NFL caliber receivers on that squad that um, they're hard to stop. And I thought their defense actually, I mean, that's kind of been their weakness this year, but their defense showed up in big moments and against a very good Texas offense as well. So I'm high on Washington and I would have to take Washington over Michigan in this uh national championship game. I have not bet anything yet, but that's kind of how I'm leaning. And obviously we'll talk more about that uh, as we get into the show, Chelsea.
1: Yeah, interested to see where this line sits because one would imagine that Michigan is probably the favorite in this game. Uh, No, we are not seeing odds just uh, just yet over at BetMGM. So we'll have to wait to see those. But it does look like Washington's offense is a cheat code against just about any secondary. We knew that Texas weakness was their secondary in the middle of the field. But some of the circus catches that we saw made by these Washington receivers, it feels like no matter how good the coverage is, they're going to find a way to get their catches. And then when you have a quarterback like Michael Penix Jr., who is dropping it in the breadbasket of these guys, it just feels like when you have a quarterback and a receiving core like that... There's not a defense in college football that's going to shut you down. I will say we did see some tiny cracks in, you know, the armor for Washington's defense, especially the final minute of this game, because let's be clear, this game was an absolute nail-biter. Uh, it took to the final play. I guess the defense got it done, but still, maybe they can be had. Can't wait to see the college football national championship between Washington and and Michigan. Excuse me. More Daily Tip after the break here on the BetQL Network.
0: The Daily Tip will be right back on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Welcome back to the Daily Tip on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM.
1: Good morning. If you are wondering what day it is, you're not alone. It is Tuesday, January 2nd, 2024. Kate Constable filling in for Jenks today. I'm Chelsea Messenger here on the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. In a few moments here on the show, we'll give you our first look at week 18 in the NFL. What spreads have caught our eye? What totals we would never play? And maybe some teams to avoid since they don't have anything to play for. Kate, how's the vibe check out there? Does it feel like a little empty since the Christmas decorations maybe are down? Or I guess I should ask, have you taken your Christmas decorations down?
2: <laughs> I haven't taken them down
1: yet, Chelsea, cause I never put them up. Ooh, yep. and I was called the Grinch of the show. Hmm. Yep. Um, so I,
2: um, I, I planned to, and I have a bunch of them, but they're in a storage locker in my, in,
1: in in my apartment. They do a lot there.
2: Right. (laughs) And I was trying to get into the, to the storage locker, but my fob, but my little key fob wasn't working and trying to get the office of my apartment complex to, you know, fix my key fob is like pulling teeth. And so I was not able to do that. And therefore we didn't have decorations this Christmas. Um, I think I bought like two little things from the dollar section at Target, like a little mini elf and like something just to put on the kitchen table. Uh, But other than that, yeah, no, taking down the decorations was easy today. Usually that would take me to like February because I would just be lazy. Um, But no, we're all cleaned up and we've moved on from Christmas. So I'm kind of ready to get back into like a daily routine and like my normal stuff, because it has felt like deja vu over and over these last couple of of weeks of just like every day is the same in a very good way. Like having some time off and being with the fam. Great. Um, but yeah, I didn't know what day it was until you told me glad it's Tuesday.
1: It does feel, I feel out of sorts. I think that's how I would describe it. Like it's been really nice not working, but not having any kind of schedule it's been weird. Like, it's like, okay, do I need to put on regular clothes or can I just be in my jam jams all day? Like, is this acceptable? Which it is. And plus like, it's so cold outside. We've had really cold weather here in Nashville. So it's like, mm, the outdoors aren't really beckoning me to get out off the couch. So I too am looking forward to a more structured, um, you know, schedule throughout the week and feeling like I have some kind of purpose because isn't that like one of the perks of working is for somebody who was I took three years off when my husband was traveling for baseball. And I feel like that is the one thing I miss was like having some sort of purpose and be like, OK, well, I accomplished something today. So I will say the time off was nice. But I am glad to get back to it. And maybe, you know, if you're feeling like, God, Chelsea, like, this is terrible. I don't want to go back to work. Maybe that is something you can hang your hat on. That one thing.
2: I mean, a routine, yes. I'm not a type A person. In fact, I'm like a type Z person. I live in organized (laughs) chaos at all times. And it's kind of one of those things like where your room's messy You've got clothes all over the floor, but you know exactly what's on the floor. Like those, mm-hmm. this pair of jeans I need, I know exactly where it is. It might be in a pile, but at least I know where it is. So, but I've, as I've gotten older, like I've found myself needing more of a routine and things like that. And mm-hmm. so I am yeah, getting back into that of waking up, you know, looking at game scores, looking at what's to come, doing a little handicap and starting some writing and then, you know, going to the gym later, making a nice dinner or something. Not that I do that every night. It's usually like you know whatever I can throw in the air fryer. But for the most part, having a routine, yes, is extremely nice. So I'm with you. I don't think it's uh, bad to be excited to go back to work at all. Plus, we have a we have a cool job, so I think that's great.
1: Yeah, the only down part is waking up this early. Like, I would have yeah. no complaints if we had – I always make this joke of, like, bet QL daily. I'm like, they have the perfect slot, dang it. We mm-hmm. need to just knock them off. Because uh, I do like the show, but waking up at 3.30 a.m., it's not super fun. Uh, But we do like our jobs here at the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. I'm Chelsea Messenger, Kate Constable, filling in for Jake's today. Let's take our first look at week 18 in the NFL. And Kate, before we get into the actual spreads and the totals, I think what I will be targeting this week are some player props because we all know this is player incentive week where there are a lot of players who have incentives in their contracts where maybe they're close to, Uh, bringing in a few extra 100000 or even million dollars on some of these contracts. So I think you have to be real careful with some of these games where you have teams that aren't playing for anything, and especially when you look at big favorites. Like, for teams who have nothing to play for, do you really think they're going to keep their foot on the gas pedal if they have nothing to play for? Like, this is the week where we will probably see some teams – rest their starters so are you somebody who's going to go full steam ahead on week 18 or is it going to be more of a cautious approach for you
2: Yeah, week 18 is kind of similar to week one, I think, where it's uh, practice more caution. And week one, you're still kind of trying to get a feel for what the teams look like on the field. I mean, you've done your prep throughout the the summer and you feel like you have a handle on them. But until you see them on the field, you know, things can change. So that's week one. Week 18 is similar in that you know what you've got, but who's going to show up and play? Who's going to be motivated? Does this game matter for for X team versus Z team, and are they going to play any of their, you know, starters? So I'm with you. I think maybe taking some props is a little bit more of the avenue I'm going to go down this week because, I mean, what, we have a meaningless game versus the the Browns and Bengals. Do I want to bet on that? No, because I don't know motivation for both of those sides, what it's going to look like, and that's, you know, a good part of handicapping is kind of trying to figure out the spots that teams are in and it, the motivation behind certain games and things like that and you just don't get a good sense of that unless you have like a falcons saints games who play in for the division that game is something that i might look to target a bit more than some of these meaningless ones but certainly the props with a lot of incentives because there are a good amount out there
1: do you think any of these teams are willing to play spoiler though because i'm looking at the the list of teams who have been eliminated and it's a lot of teams. Uh we've got the Patriots, Chargers, Titans, Jets, Raiders, Bengals, Broncos, Bears, Giants, Commanders, Cardinals, and Panthers. So like that's half the NFL it feels like. Do you think I, you can I, make a case to bet on any of these teams if they're getting enough points? Um I yes, the Chicago Bears.
2: I would make a case against that because the Packers Uh, They're playing the Packers at Lambeau and this is a Packers win and and they're in the playoffs. So a similar situation to last season when the Lions had to go into Lambeau Mm -hmm. and the Lions were already eliminated earlier in the day based on, I believe it was Seattle, the outcome in in the Seattle game. I forget exactly what it was, Uh, but that knocked the Lions out completely where now they were just trying to play spoiler to their division rival. And I think that's going to be a similar um, a similar sense for Chicago in this game in that they don't want the Packers to make the playoffs. They're going to do whatever they can to to stop that. I mean, this is kind of the Bears' Super Bowl is a, avoiding, you know, a playoff <laughs> berth for its uh, its rival in Green Bay. And you also have Justin Fields who maybe the front office in Chicago has already made up their mind, but – a good performance in this game. I mean, maybe that sways them a little to wanting to keep him around and same with Matt Eberflus, the head coach. I mean, I think his job is probably safe at this point, but similar, you know, those two players or the, you know, people on the the bears organization still need a good performance. So that's one game that I think could, you could still look at.
1: I think that's an important point to make. Just because we say, quote, there is nothing to play for in this game when it comes to the playoff picture doesn't mean that there is squarely nothing to play for because Mm -hmm. there are still guys who are playing for their jobs and there are still head coaches who are coaching for their jobs. So keep that in mind before you just say, "Okay, these teams aren't playing for anything. Uh, Make sure you don't like them just in general, which you could probably say for a lot of these teams. Like, a lot of these teams are just bad teams, and maybe that's your handicap. But don't say, okay, (laughs) they have nothing to play for because, you know, there are players on that team that are still trying to succeed. Uh, But if you look at some of these games between the teams that are still in playoff contention, there are some huge games. Uh, Starting with the winner of the Bills and the Dolphins, This one determines the winner of the AFC East title and the number two seed in the AFC. I think this is a game that I want to watch. We already saw this matchup, of course, between these two division rivals earlier this season, which Buffalo really ruled the roost. And it's starting to be uh, the narrative against the Dolphins is that when they play the best teams in the NFL, that's when... They stack up the L's. So you're seeing Buffalo three-point road favorites here, total of 50. Kate, is there something that stands out to you in this game, or is this one you just watch?
2: No, this is going to be a fun one. Probably the best game. Actually, it will be the best game, or on paper should be, uh, Mm -hmm. of the weekend. I, I I have to go with the Dolphins. I mean, your Dolphins are at home and they're getting points. I know it was a a disaster last time they played the Bills, but that was up in Buffalo and that was a tough spot for Miami coming off of that. 70-point uh, performance against the Broncos the week prior. Like, that was just the classic letdown spot. You put up a 70-piece, and then you go on the road against a very good Bills team, and the and the Dolphins got rocked in that game. So I don't think that you can look towards that previous matchup and say, you know, the Bills are the far, far superior team. I mean, this still is. I know Josh Allen is great, but turnover-prone team that Miami can take advantage of. Um, I know also Miami got beat last week, against the ravens uh, pretty handedly but also kind of a tough spot again for miami coming off of that win over the cowboys having to go on the road where all the momentum was in favor of the ravens in that game so i think if the dolphins can get a little bit more healthy uh, i want to check the status of you know some of their players uh, Jaden waddle didn't play um jalen waddle didn't play tyreek hills a little banged up uh, jalen ramsey didn't play last week so I want to know the status of some of those guys prior to betting this game but my initial lean uh would have to be taking the points with the Dolphins at home
1: yeah I think the injury report will be important in that one as it was against uh the Ravens as well Raheem Mostert did not play in that game uh running back for the Dolphins so we'll see but definitely a game I want to watch speaking of games I want to watch the Rams and the Niners if you told me this was going to be a big game in week 18 of the season, you know, three months ago, I would say the Rams? Seriously? But surprisingly enough, the Rams have already clinched a playoff spot uh, and the Niners have clinched the number one seed in the NFC. But these are division rivals, San Francisco laying three and a half, and the Rams look like one of the better teams in the NFL these days. Do you have a play here?
2: I think this one comes down to like if you look at it it's kind of both uh, both teams have a spot in the playoffs like you just said so in mm-hmm. that sense it's meaningless but in the sense of seeding this game means a lot because it's either for the rams going to dallas and playing likely playing the cowboys or going to detroit and playing the lions which would you prefer cowboys at home i know they struggled last nope. week against the lions but cowboys <laughs> at home have just been a wagon all season that i i would mm-hmm. not want to do that i think it would be just totally fitting, too, for Matthew Stafford to go back to Detroit, play his former team that he spent most of his career with in the Lions' first home playoff game in how many years? Like, that would be awesome. Plus, awesome for us as fans and viewers and everything. Like, the storyline is great, but I think that's probably an easier matchup for the Rams as well. So, Rams win this game, and they, they um, head to Detroit. They lose this game head to Dallas I think we see a pretty good effort from uh the Rams in this one
1: I think regardless we'll get a storyline though because isn't Matt Stafford from Dallas if I'm not mistaken because didn't him uh, and Clayton Kershaw go to the same high school that's like the stat that they always talk about
2: that's what I, I know they went to the same high school I don't know where that was so if you're telling me that was that was Dallas I, I'll I believe you on that um but I don't know let's see
1: Hmm, I am not seeing it on Wikipedia, my quick search. No, uh, Highland Park, Dallas, Texas, that's right. So either way, it's gonna be somewhat of a homecoming for Matt Stafford in a city that he is pretty familiar with. Uh, Looking at the rest of these games, is there anything else that catches your eye? I'm not gonna lie, I haven't done like my full um, research packet on all of these games. But I will say the, the two top seeds or two of the top seeds in the NFC minus the Niners, you've got the Eagles facing off with the Giants and the Cowboys facing off with the Commanders, two teams that they both should beat. Is there any way either of these teams lose to either of these cellar dwellers?
2: I mean, if there's one, it's it would be I would have to say it's the Eagles. They just lost to the Cardinals. Like everyone said, yeah. no, the Eagles are the Eagles have the easiest schedule remaining. They play the Cardinals and the Giants. Um, so that was disappointing to see the Eagles lose. There's some issues both on both sides of the ball for that Philly team. So that would be the team that I think would struggle if there's one. I don't see it happening. Um, but I yeah, Cowboys. I, I don't think they're losing that game to the Commanders i would find that very hard to believe
1: right especially with that secondary you know dallas wants to throw the ball the commanders have a terrible secondary and there's actually something on the line in that game so they should be motivated we shall see in the NFC, the east excuse me no matter how you slice it it does feel like the eagles look much worse than they did last season do we believe in Philadelphia to be a value pick to win it all? Probably not. We'll go over the latest NFL futures next here on the daily tip presented by BetMGM.
0: The daily tip will be right back on the BetQL network presented by BetMGM. Welcome back to the Daily Tip on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM.
1: Rise and shine, people. It's time to make some money in the sports betting market, or at least attempt to do so. In a few minutes here on the Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM, we'll go over the latest Super Bowl odds over at BetMGM. I'm Chelsea Messenger. She's Kate Constable, filling in for Jinx today. Uh, Kate, over the last few weeks, it feels like the field has pretty much been narrowed. It feels like it's the Ravens and the Niners careening mm-hmm. towards this Super Bowl uh, matchup. But here's the thing about sports. The regular season is a great indicator of like who the best teams are, but that's not always how it shakes out. Sometimes we will see a team just get hot down the stretch and you know, go on this run where nobody saw it coming. That's why we love sports where, you know, it's not always one on paper, but when you look at the NFL right now, doesn't it feel like the Ravens and the Niners?
2: Uh, that's so funny that you say that, it's Also, because uh, I beat my husband in our family fantasy football in the semifinals. So I beat him to go to the finals and he was complaining. He's like, this is this is so stupid. I've been the best team. I've had the best team all season. I'm like, have, do you watch sports? Do you know sports like oftentimes the, the the team that has the best regular season and is the best team all year? Likely doesn't win the championship, buddy. So that's what's happening to you. Get with it. um But in the sense <laughs> of these last couple of weeks, what has transpired in the NFL, it does certainly feel like the Niners and the Ravens have separated themselves from the pack. I mean, we've seen some some stumbles, some miscues from the Cowboys, and if the Cowboys are on the road in the postseason, like that makes me nervous. Where the Ravens, they just went to San Fran two weeks ago and, and beat up on the Niners pretty handedly. So. Uh, there are concerns with the Ravens in terms of, like, Lamar Jackson's performance in the postseason. That hasn't been great over the past uh, couple of years or, I guess, his whole career. Um, but for the most part, if you ask me who's playing in the Super Bowl, I would tell you that the Niners and the Ravens are meeting uh, on that final game. So, that's yeah, yeah. it does feel like what's kind of set, obviously. Things can change. But that would that would be who I would think was, would be playing in the Super Bowl.
1: For sure. It does feel like that. But when we look at the Super Bowl odds, I think from a value perspective, you are looking for teams that kind of have that recipe of those teams that get hot down the stretch and could maybe go on a run because obviously you're not getting a ton of value on teams like the Niners and the Ravens. The Niners are your favorites over at BetMGM. They are plus 210 to win the Super Bowl. Ravens plus 350. Bills and Cowboys both eight to one. The Chiefs nine to one. All right, let's take a quick timeout. What do we think of the Kansas City Chiefs? Honestly, when I see them at nine to one, I almost laughed out loud. This team looks broken. Is there any way that the Chiefs can right the ship and actually make a run in the postseason? Because I keep saying to myself, okay, well, maybe if the price gets long enough and, you know, maybe you're starting to get some value because they still have Patrick Mahomes. But this late in the season, at some point, don't we believe the team that we have been seeing the entire year? And that team's not been a good one.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, at this price, like it's, it's, it's Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and w- what they can do in the postseason is pretty and has been pretty impressive I mean they do get mm-hmm. their first game playoff game at home and then Mahomes is going to have to go on the road so I mean I think it, it, it's priced based on past what we've seen from Mahomes in the playoffs in the past and if there's any quarterback that I want to back and and say okay this this guy could get hot at any time and, and really propel his team like I would trust Pac- Patrick Mahomes in that spot now do I want to bet on them based on what I've seen this season no not at all I don't think it's the Chiefs year um but they're a team that like it's like Tom Brady like do you want to bet against Tom Brady in the postseason no I kind of put Patrick Mahomes in that same category as well um not to say that's not to say I'm gonna go do it but I think He's a quarterback that you could trust a little bit more. Now, obviously, like his receiving core has been the issue this year. Mm -hmm. Um, Penalties, offensive line, you know, things like that. So uh, I'm not betting on the Chiefs, but I could see uh, a case to be made for them. I think talking about teams getting hot at the right time, like, do you take a look at the Browns at 35 to one? with what they're doing right now I mean if Joe Flacco is able to lead this offense the way he has been at uh, the defense with Miles Garrett like the Browns could walk away with the um comeback player of the year potentially defensive player of the year and potentially the coach of the year and Kevin Stavansky so they have all the things working for him right now at that price I think he could maybe take a flyer and sprinkle him a little at 35 to 1.
1: Yeah, there are three teams that I think kind of fit the bill of teams that are getting hot at the right time. The Browns are one that you just mentioned, 35-1. to And plus, when you look at the top team in the AFC, that would be the Ravens. And what a matchup that would be. You know, the Browns and the Ravens. Joe Flacco going against his old team. And also, it's a divisional matchup, which those matchups usually play closer than uh, maybe the talent on the field indicates. So, Browns fit the bill. The Bills fit the bill, but they are mm-hmm. also eight to one. Their odds have been dramatically shortening over the last few weeks. And here's a good example the Bills are now minus 160 to win the AFC East. Just, I think, two weeks ago on the show, we were talking about a value play. The Bills winning the AFC East at two to one. Odd. So clearly a team that's caught fire down the stretch. Their final game of the season is against the Dolphins for the AFC East title. And the other one, we've talked about the Rams on this show before and how they kind of have the recipe of a team that could possibly play spoiler in the NFC. Right now, 30-1 to 1 to merely win the NFC. And obviously they'd have to go toe-to-toe with the Niners to do so. But still, a team that's 66-1 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. to to win the NFC. They have a quarterback who's been there, done uh, done that before, and Matt Stafford. They have um, several good receivers. Puka Nakua, of course, leading the charge. Kyron Williams seems to be on an absolute tear in the backfield. Their defense can be a little shaky, but Sean McVay has proven he's one of the best coaches in the NFL by doing this with this year's Rams team. Would you take a shot on any three of those teams? I know you talked about the Browns. But also, at these prices, you could really play all three.
2: Yeah, no, you make a great case for all three of them, especially the Rams. I mean, the way Matthew Stafford has been playing this season. Think about, uh, like, back prior to the start of the season. This was a team that was, I want to say their win total was, like, five and a half, maybe even four and a half. Like, they were not expected to be a good football team at all this season. There was talks about maybe, you know, They um, move on from Matthew Stafford after the end of the season. They draft uh, Caleb Williams out of their backyard, something like that. But for the most part, I mean, this Rams team is completely different from what we anticipated them being coming into the year. And you have a quarterback and a head coach that have both won a Super Bowl in the last couple of years. They know what it takes to get there and and how to play when the stakes are that high. So uh, I think the Rams, I mean – it, it is hard to like, I, I kind of hate futures because it's like you're putting your money on stuff that obviously that's the point of futures is stuff that's mm-hmm. not as likely to happen because you're getting a better payout. But it, maybe you sprinkle like a half a unit across a couple of these teams that are getting hot and have big numbers and see what happens, you know, other than rather than putting everything on the Niners or the Ravens at the price that they're at. Maybe you get a better return by a flyer on one of those teams. And I don't think the Rams or the Browns uh, are two teams that can't make it that far based on what we're seeing right now.
1: I think you bring up a good point, and that is strategy in futures betting is not simply who you think is going to win it. Obviously, that is the first goal of betting on futures markets, but also you've got to remember you are trying to set yourself up for hedging opportunities. And this Mm -hmm. Bills futures uh, in the AFC East is a good example of one. And why you always try to take futures at plus money, because there is a good chance, you know, if you pick the right side, that these odds will shorten and you will have a chance to hedge your bet. Because right now, as somebody who is sitting with a Bills two to one futures ticket to win the AFC East, now you have the Dolphins at, what are they, plus 160 or something? So if you look at that bet, they're plus 135. I could play both sides of that coin and mm-hmm. come away with guaranteed money, you know, because both sides are plus money. So that is a one game, you know, result that I am waiting on. So I think that's the, the main goal for me. It's not just picking the winners, but also setting yourself up for hedging down the road. Because that's why I brought up the Rams winning the NFC. Uh, if you place a bet on them 30 to one to, to win the NFC, they simply have to make it to the NFC championship game. And you've got a great hedging opportunity, you know, because if you have one side 30 to one to win it, you can put some money on the other side and you're at least going to win something. Granted, there is some math that has to be done, you know, to you know justify how much you're putting on each side. But still, I think that's what people don't really talk about in the futures market sometimes that it's not just picking a winner it's setting yourself up for other opportunities down the road and that's something that i
2: uh, will come out and say i am not good at like hedging my bets which i know is something if you want to win long term you have to be good at but it, that's a great point in the it, with the futures like I wish I had taken the bills a couple weeks ago when everyone said, okay, the bills are going to go on a tear. They could win uh, their division. They could possibly win the AFC bet them now, bet them now. And I didn't touch them. I didn't, I one. I didn't really believe in this bills team to turn it around completely. I thought maybe they'd have a couple good weeks in them. Um, they've proved me wrong. And now I wish I had a ticket on the bills because hedging them with the dolphins right now would be a, a great play for me this weekend to make a little money. So that's certainly something that um, I'm going to try and get better at in this new year. Maybe that's my new year's betting resolution is to take more futures so I can hedge and make some money that way.
1: I will say, I don't always get it right here because there's one play that's on the board right now that I think I laid minus money for DeMar Hamlin to win AP comeback player of the year. Look at Joe Flacco coming on strong down the stretch now even money to win this award. There's been a rumor floating that both of these guys could win saying, well, this is the year that we're gonna give it to both of them. Who do you think wins this?
2: I, I think Joe Flacco deserves to win this. I mean, I what DeMar Hamlin overcame is huge and unbelievable and fantastic. He deserves award for that. but. And this is a football award, and he hasn't been on the football field much this season. Joe Flacco has turned the season around for the Browns. He has him in the postseason. I think Flacco deserves to win it.
1: I think it's a strong case for either. They should make a separate award just for Jamar, Demar Hamlin, and that mm-hmm. would be settled. Because, you know, Joe Flacco deserves something for this epic comeback yeah. that he's had. Maybe a Super Bowl ring. Who knows? A 33-1. All right, coming up uh, after the break, MVP Tuesday on The Daily Tip.